Hey, good morning, Grace. Oh, it is an awesome morning this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to preach to y'all. I'm getting to minister to y'all. Big church, what is going on? Okay, okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. I don't need y'all to tell Pastor Doug you're getting too excited. What I know, know they're on vacation. What I, hey, I am super excited to be here with you guys this morning. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Speaking of, um, Pastor Doug and Meg, hey, they are, are, are taking this month of August to have just rest and rejuvenation. And so um, if we can, church, let's be in prayer for them. They have been so awesome and caring for our body well during this season with all of the craziness, the planning that's been all over the place. They have been so awesome. So if you can join us in just praying for them constantly, um, for God just to uh, give them that rest, the rejuvenation that they so much, so much uh, deserve, that would be so awesome. And so um, if this is your first time joining us or, or you're visiting us, hey, we want to say thank you for um, joining us. Uh, um, and I want to introduce who I am. And for those who do not know, hey, I am Kevin Dupree. I'm the youth pastor here at Grace Community Church. And so um, it has just been an awesome journey so far. Um, just walking with these students and these leaders, you know, um, me and my family moving in, like they have embraced us and, and loved us. And we've just um, just fit in so well. And so we are just thrilled for all that God has in store down, uh, has in store um, down the road for Grace Youth in this upcoming school year. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep gaining traction and ground for the kingdom of God through our students. And so um, we just fired up about that. And so um before I get into the message, I just want to extend that invite to um, some of you guys. If, if, if you feel called to um, just invest and pour into youth and, um, and you feel like you can um, give us your time or whatnot, we're definitely looking for more small group leaders and rotational team members to come alongside our current members right now um, just to surround our students with a body that is walking with them and, um, and showing that they matter and that we care for them. So if you, if you want to, it's a um, um, a slide that'll pop up with my contact information on there. And you uh, feel free to reach out to me and contact me. It may not be something that you're certain on. You may just kind of be thinking, hey, I may, should I or shouldn't I? But um, I would love to kind of get in contact with you um, about joining our team. And so, um, church, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the message for today. Um, we are continuing our summer in the Psalms. And so I have the honor of doing Psalms 10 today. And so um, I'm going to give you my title. Then we're going to pray because I think from my title, y'all going to be able to know where I'm going. And so the title of my message today is going to be Waiting on the Giant Killer. Waiting on the Giant Killer. Let us pray over this message. Heavenly Father, have your way during this time, God. Let your word permeate our hearts and our minds, God, and bring about a fresh revelation, God, so that we can live in a in, in a fresh new um, new way because of the words that's been spoken to our hearts, God. And so I pray that your word um, just changes us, God, and we leave um, not the same as when we came before we heard this message. And so we give you all the thanks, honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, so now let's let's dive off into this. So I set up my the title of my message is Waiting on the Giant Killer. And so immediately before I even tell you why I'm headed, I know some of y'all, some of y'all uh Sunday school, Bible school people, hey, you already know where I'm headed. What story am I getting ready to get to? I'm a part. What what story am I headed to? 
Yep, you got it right. David and Goliath. I'm getting ready to dive off into David and Goliath, but I don't want you to check out and think, well, I've already heard that. You know, he's getting ready to go to David and Goliath, talk about the, the slingshot and everything. No, I'm going to give us a different perspective that I don't think we we usually see when we hear this story about David and Goliath. And I think uh, God has given this to me because it fits so well with Psalms 10 here. And so I want to start reading in Psalms 10 right now. And it uh, starts off, um, Psalm 10, 1 says, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And so uh, Paul's right there. We can see immediately that this psalmist here is just struggling and he's under a bunch of stress. Um, he's dealing with some serious attacks, not only probably to himself, but to people around him. He's seeing that these wicked people are are um, are prevailing and they're winning in life and it's causing him some, some anxiety. It's causing him some stress right now. What he's saying is, hey, God, you see all of this that's going on. Why are you standing afar off? Why are you standing over there? You see that I'm being attacked. You see the oppression that your people are going through. Why are you standing so far off? And he, and he further uh, confirms that his frustration and stress right now that he's under attack he further confirms that in the second half of this verse, and he says, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And so what he's saying is, hey, not only are, are you standing over there, it's now it's to the point to where, God, I don't even see you. I don't even see or sense your presence. And so he's saying, God, I, I don't know where you are right now. And church, if we're being honest this morning, um, how many of us can really admit that, hey, man, I've been at that point, at, uh, at that place in my life at some point in time. Or, hey, man, I'm, I'm currently dealing with that right now. You know, hey, we're like, God, why do you stand so far off during this COVID season? Where are you, God? And, and the social injustices, God, why do you stand so far off? Why do you hide your face in my marriage, in my kids, in my finances, in my health? If, if I'm speaking for the youth right now, you probably think, hey, God, why are you standing so far away knowing that I'm struggling with this depression and anxiety when I'm struggling with my identity and who I am and where do I fit? God, why do you stand so far away when it comes to my education? Why do I feel like I just can't get it? Why can't I grasp it? In my relationship with my parents, in my walk with Jesus, like why, God, do you stand afar off? And God wanted me to speak to you guys today on that point about, hey, he is not afraid and he doesn't have to stand afar off when it comes to your problems. He is not scared of what you're going through. The psalmist is thinking that, God, you're standing far off or you're hiding yourself. That's basically, God, you must be scared of my problems. And God wanted me to tell you, he's not afraid of your problems. He said, your problems ain't big enough to make him go run and hide. And so I want to encourage you guys this morning that, hey, man, God is right there with you in the midst of it all. And I ain't even started preaching yet. Oh, look here. I'm trying to encourage you right now. God is with you right there in the midst of every situation. He's not standing afar off. He's not even hiding. That problem that you're dealing with is not big enough to make him go high. And so as y'all can see, God is already downloading as I'm studying. But as I continue to, to study this thing, that's when he led me to the story of David and Goliath. And in the midst of this story, you know, we 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 hear the, the victorious, uh, 
the part of this story that, hey, man, David goes out, this little boy, he's called by his dad to go take these Lunchables to his brother. And y'all probably like, wait a minute, where does Lunchable in the Bible? Come on now. The Bible said he took some cheese and crackers down there. That was one of them. That was a Lunchable without the meat. Come on now. He took Lunchables down to his brothers. Um, his, his, Jesse, the father, Jesse, told him to take these Lunchables or cheese and crackers down to his brothers. And then all of a sudden, David's coming back and he's just so excited. Hey, man, I, I defeated him, Dad. I defe- Here, Dad, I defeated him. I defeated the giant. I, it's so crazy. You know, I went down there. I went to go give him the food, but all of a sudden, everybody was down there, and, and I'm telling you, Dad, it just so happened so fast. I was in the war. I, I slung his slingshot. You remember the slingshot you brought me last year? I've been practicing with it. Yep, I used that, and I killed him, and I could just see the dad standing there like, uh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you mean to tell me your brothers ain't eat yet? You got you bringing the, the the lunchables back? I sent you down there to go feed your brothers, not to bring the lunchables back and make up this story. But I mean, in the midst of all of this, I can just see this kind of playing out however it did. But in the midst of that, we always speed past what was going on before David, the giant killer in this story, showed up. What was happening before David showed up? And in 1 Samuel chapter um, 17, verses 8 through 11, it says, Goliath stood shouting a um, a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. What? So be, these are our trained soldiers, army men. This is the king himself. And before David showed up, they are scared and they're frightened. They're terrified. If you read down a little bit further, verses 24 and 25 says, as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. What? They all run. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we don't know what we're going to do, Lord. Oh, this God is going to kill us. We got to be their slaves. Oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, God. Lord, come on. And, and so these these trained soldiers are in are in fear right now they are frightened by this one giant and church ain't that how it is sometimes all it takes is one giant in our life to have us running around panicking worrying doubting confused building up anxiety and depression all it takes is one one bad doctor's uh diagnosis all it takes is one bad communication within the marriage all it takes is one disobedient and lost child all it takes is that one that one feeling of, I don't know what my identity is. All it takes is that one bully on social media posting about you. All it takes is one giant to get us out of our character. And, you know, as Christians, we, we want to know, okay, what do I do then, Pastor Kevin, when I'm under attack? You, you, you got it just right. You hit it right on the head, Pastor Kevin. I, I feel under attack right now. Or I, I felt under attack before in the past, and I just didn't know what to do. So that's why I titled the message today, what do you do while you wait on the giant killer? What happens when David hasn't showed up? Like in this story, David hasn't showed up. What happens when God hasn't quite showed up in your life yet? 
And so I believe if we transition back to Psalms 10, um, it really breaks it down in these blocks. So I'm going to give you these three different blocks that God was kind of showing me how the psalmist reacted while he was waiting on God to show up. And so the first block or the first chunk that we want to look at is verses 2 through 11. And so if you look at verses 2 through 11, what this psalmist is really displaying to us about waiting on the giant killer is, hey, man, we got to acknowledge the attacks. We have to acknowledge the attacks that's going on in our life. And that's what this psalmist was doing. So if we look at, he's acknowledging what's happening, the attacks that are going on around him and others that are around him. It says, the wicked arrogantly hunt down the poor. For they beg about, um, they brag about their evil desires. He goes on in seven to say their mouths are full of cursing and lies and threats. In 11, it says the wicked think God isn't watching us. And so that whole block right there, he's basically laying out and saying, hey, I, I'm acknowledging that, hey, I am under attack. The people around me are under attack. God, where are you in the midst of all of this? So he's basically just acknowledging what's going on. And church, I want to tell you today, don't just stand and be attacked or intimidated um, or ignore it just to look strong. So sometimes we feel like, oh, you know what? I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to be blessed and highly favored. And that's true. But hey, guess what? You're not right now. Or you're not in this certain season. And so what you don't need to do is just gloss over it and think, oh, you know what? There's nothing going on in my life. No, acknowledge the attacks that the enemy is sending your way. Is Is it an attack on your peace? Is it an attack on your joy? Is there an attack on your spiritual walk with Jesus? Is there an attack on your marriage, your finances, your kids? Is it an attack on our world? Hey, you need to acknowledge what attacks are going on in your life and not just think that everything is always supposed to be um, peaches and roses, if you want to say. If those are good to you, I don't know. I like um, cookies and cream, ice cream. When When I'm eating that, I think everything's all good. But hey, we're not supposed to think that everything is supposed to be all good. Acknowledge the attacks that's going on in your life and um Paul was talking about this kind of weakness in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 10. And he says, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. He goes on to say, hey, when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, the issue with the church today, um, Grace Family, is that we don't teach Christians how to be weak. We don't teach Christians how to lament. We're, we're, we're so about, hey, encouraging them, which is all great, which is bringing that strength and whatnot. But see, we, we get lost in the midst of it all because we're not, we're not looking to be weak. Like Paul said, is the reason why we don't see God's full power, his full strength is because we're trying to step in the way and be strong ourselves. Is the reason why is because we're not saying, hey, God, I, I've come to the end of myself. And then you may not know how to do that. And so I, I want to show you here um, how this psalmist in Psalm 10 shows us how we're supposed to be weak. And in uh, verses 12 through 15, it says that the, um, the psalmist basically cried out to God. That's what being weak in front of God before God is just crying out to him. And verses 12 uh, through 15, it says, arise, O Lord. So now he's recognizing the Lord. He already acknowledged his attacks. Now he's crying out to him, arise, O Lord, punish the wicked, break the arms. In verse 15, it says, break the arms of these wicked, evil people. 
So now he's crying out to God. And church, that's what we have to get to. We have to get to a place where we're willing to cry out to God. I know some of us feel like, hey, you know what? I don't have time for that, Pastor Kevin. I don't have time to be crying out to God. I got all of these other things in my life going on. I don't got time to spend an hour, two hours, three hours, a whole work day at home crying out to God. I don't have time to do that. Hey, well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have time for it when you begin to start losing things in your life that you feel like you didn't have time for. When you didn't have time to cry out to God about that marriage of yours. When you didn't have time to cry out to God about your financial situation, your peace, your mind. Hey, when will you make time to cry out to God? So church, we have to learn how to be weak. That, that's where our strength is found. That's what Paul says in that, in that verse is, hey, we find our strength when we are weak. So when we cry out to God, God doesn't see that, doesn't see that as us being less than or anything like that. God is saying, you're my son or daughter. I'm expecting you to cry out to me. Hey, that's just like me as a father. If I know something is going on to one of my daughters, they're under attack or and there's something that they can't handle on them on, on their own, hey, I would be so upset if they didn't bring that to me as their father. Hey, man, they dad, I, you got a daddy that don't play, girl. That's what I feel like. Your daddy don't play that. Bring that to me. And church, we have a heavenly father that he said, hey, man, I don't play that. I don't play that when my sons and daughters are under attack. Bring that to me. And so we are not supposed to fight this battle alone. Cry out to God. And so you may say, yes, Pastor Kevin, but God is supposed to see everything that's going on in my life. He's he's an omniscient God. He sees everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere I am. So he knows what's going on. And yes, you're right. But the crying out is not for that to, to, to get him to think to um, get him to know something that he doesn't already know. The crying out gets you and God on the same page. And I'm going to tell you what I mean right there. In John chapter 5, Jesus asked the man who had been ill for 38 years, y'all. This man had been sick for 38 years. And Jesus asked him this. He said, wilt thou be made whole? So he was saying, "Uh, do you want to be healed? Now, Now, come on, Jesus. This man has been ill for 38 years. What type of question is that? What, what do you mean? Some of us can't even be sick for ill for 15 minutes, let alone 38 years. This man was ill for 38 years. And Jesus is asking him, will you, do you want to be healed? But see, the reason why Jesus asked him this question is because Jesus understood that not everybody wants to be healed from their circumstance or situation. You see, so many people have, uh, so many people have been under attack for so long by the enemy that they built these porches and that are just settling in life where they are. They're settling in their circumstance. They become comfortable where they are. See, it's not a lot of people who want to be healed from that bad dating relationship. It's not a lot of people that's ready to be healed from unemployment and, and, and seeking a handout. Hey, it's not, it's, everybody's not ready to be healed from the racism that's going on in our world because now I have to sit down and listen to others' hearts and hear their hurt. And then on the other side of that, not everybody's ready to be healed from bitterness and resentment that's in their heart because of hurts that may have come, um, because of the harms that may have been put on them from other people. Not everybody's ready to be healed. And so you have to understand that God needs to know that you're ready to be healed. That's what it, that's what the crying out part um, means. And that's where the crying out comes from. I can remember in 2000 um, and 2014, 
Hey, man, I, I didn't want to be healed from the situations and circumstances I was going through when I was indulging in sexual morality and, and, um, and deep off in alcohol. Hey, I acknowledge that, hey, the enemy was using this to destroy my life, but I didn't cry out to God because I wasn't ready to be healed from that. Because me being healed from that, it would, it would take people out of my life. Hey, I wouldn't be this popular person no more. The person everybody called upon, the person everybody thought was cool. So I didn't want to be healed from that. But can I tell you, when I was in my 2006 red Nissan Altima with the illegal limousine tent on it, hey, and I was getting ready to uh, contemplate taking my life, hey, then I wanted to cry out to God because I knew, God, if you don't take this life right now, if you don't take control of this right now, then I'm going to take this life. See, when you get ready to be healed, you will cry out to God. So church, I'm trying to tell you right now, crying out to God is one of your strongest tools that you have in the midst of, of oppression, in the midst of you being attacked, in the midst of you feeling like you're just under this weight of life. Cry out to God. Do not do this thing on your own. And the last thing that the psalmist shows us in Psalm 10, and that's verses 16 through 18, is that he shows us that we got to trust God. The psalmist shows us that we got to trust God. See, he was, putting his, he was putting his trust in God towards the end right there. He said, Lord is the king forever and ever. The godless nations will vanish from the land. Surely you will hear the cries of your, uh, um, hear the cries and comfort them. You will bring justice. See, the psalmist attacks and what was going on in his life hadn't just went away. As you can tell by the language, he said that this will happen. But what he was doing is putting his trust in God in that moment. And church, trusting God may require you waiting on God. See, your giant and my giant may not have gone nowhere. We may be still looking that giant in the face. But see, we have to trust Romans 8, 28, where it says that God is right there with us, working everything out for our good. We have to stand on the promise of Psalm 27, 13, where it says I, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We got to encourage ourselves with that passage of scripture right there, that not only will you see Lord's goodness, will you see God's goodness in eternity, but you can see it right here, right now in the land of the living. Will you believe that for yourself? Will you believe that for your family? Will you believe that for your children, your coworkers, that you can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Not just over an eternity, but you got to stand on that and you got to trust God. See, when we looked at the, that passage of scripture in David and, and, um, and just that whole story. And, and as I summarize that up, you see, the Bible says that David picked up five stones. But he only used one of those stones. Why, why was that? Why, why was that? He only needed to use one stone. You see, I believe that as studying here, I believe David picked up five stones, not necessarily because he needed them to uh, because he was going to miss or something like that. I just believe David was ready to knock down five giants. David was ready for whatever came his way in the midst of all of that because he was putting his trust in God. And my question for you today, church, is how many giants are you expecting to fall in your life? Are you just picking up one stone? Or how many giants are you, are you expecting God to knock down in your life? Maybe it's a giant that you're facing right now. Maybe it's a giant that, 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 that may be down the road. But do you trust that God can con come in and conquer every giant that comes your way? God is the giant killer. 
When we look at ourselves, when we look at this story of David and Goliath, I know sometimes we want to think, hey, I can be the giant killer. No, 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 church. Man, we can step to the giants. We can step to the giants boldly, proclaiming that, hey, I got a God. That's what David did. He stepped to that giant and said, I'm going to slay you in the name of my God. But it's God's strength that's going to slay the giant. We can step to giants and face them. But it's got to be through God that they be slayed and that they be conquered. And so, church, that's what makes the good news. Um, that's what makes the gospel such good news, because we are weak sinners in need of a powerful savior. We aren't the giant killers. We don't have to be the giant killers. You don't have to be this strong um, uh, person uh, to to um, to win the battles in this life. You don't have to be this big, huge person. Hey, we are weak sinners in need of a powerful Savior, and God has given us that in Jesus Christ. And when we look at this here, we look at uh, Jesus' whole journey, and we look at how Jesus conquered this life without us. If we look at it, Jesus, I mean, he lived, he defeated the giant of this life by living a sinless life. He didn't need our help there. Jesus defeated the giant of the cross by dying a horrific death, and he didn't need our help there. And then finally, he, he, he conquered the giant of the grave by raising again. And now he's seated at the right hand of the father with all power in his hand. So he definitely doesn't need our help in that church. He is the giant killer. Will you put your trust in Jesus and let him be the giant killer in your life? I know you've been told that you got the strength. You can do it or whatnot. And yes, that's great. You can step to those giants. You can pray boldly. You can declare those things. But it's ultimately that giant killer that's going to kill the giants. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we got a powerful savior that has come in and made a way for us to be set free from the bondage of sin, to be set free from the, the weights of this world. And so that we may be made right in the father's eyes again. So, church, what do we look at? If we uh, recap this thing, what do we do while we wait on the giant killer? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to acknowledge those attacks that are going on in your life. Don't gloss over them. Don't think that, hey, don't try to look strong or in front of other people and trying to impress them. Acknowledge what things the enemy is trying to destroy your life with. The second thing you got to do is you got to cry out to God. Don't stuff your hurts. Cry out to God and let him know that you're ready to be set free from whatever bondage you feel like you're underneath. Cry out to him. And then the last thing you got to do is you got to trust God. You got to believe that God's power is going to be made perfect in your weakness, through your struggles, through your suffering, and that God is going to show up and conquer those giants in your life. Hey, church, I'm telling you right now, we can move forward because we got the giant killer on our side. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came as the giant killer to slay every giant that we face here on this, in, in this life, in this land, God. God, you, through your grace and through your mercy, you provided us a way to be made right with you again, God. And we just so thank you for that, God. And I pray, God, as we continue to walk this journey through the suffering, through the pains, through the hurts, through the trials, all of those things, I pray that we continue to put our trust in you, believing that you will show up in this life, in this land, and in eternity, God. 
Thank you for your word, God. And I pray that we just let it resonate and change our lives, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Well, church, there was a team that got together and prayed for you um, throughout this week, and they heard um, from God and and really was um, pressing on them about challenging people to reach out to the Lord, especially those who are hurting. So if you're hurting right now, that challenge there is, will you cry out to God? Just like that was in the message. They heard that from their prayer. They didn't even know what I was ministering on. But the challenge right there is to reach out to God, reach out to the Lord, cry out to him. The next one was people struggling with uh, addictions, especially cigarettes and alcohol, and someone struggling with the spirit uh, spirit of fear. So if that's you, definitely call in um, that line that you see on your screen for for prayer there. And then the last one is someone in the worship arts team needs prayer. So they may not be someone that's on the stage right now, um, uh, just in our worship team. in general. So those are the things that um, they felt and praying over you guys. And so if any of that resonate with you, um, please, we want you to reach out and uh, receive prayer for one of our prayer team members. Hey, church, thank you guys for joining us. Have a great rest of your Sunday.